fellow gamers, your ears are in the right place. You're listening to I Never Cast for this episode three. Uh, we're a podcast dedicated to bringing forth discussions on controversial gaming topics and hopefully putting them to rest. Today we will be talking about... Uh, what are we talking about today? <laughs> early access games. <laughs> talking about early access topics, um, seeing if they're good or bad, and we'll obviously give our opinions but before we do that, let me introduce who we actually have here today with us. Returning from last week, we have the one and only Trailard. Hello, Trailard. Hello. How's it, how's it going today? How you doing? Ah, I'm doing all right. Uh, probably still keeping us slack, but uh, aside from that past week, I've been playing a wee bit of uh, Path of Exile because the latest expansion, free expansion, just dropped. And... But mostly it's been uh, Secret World Legends, so that's pretty much what my week's been. Puppy nice. and games. Nice, nice. So same old stuff for the most part? Yeah. Nice. Very much so. And also returning for his second cast, we have, from last week, Erebus. How's it going, Erebus? Not too bad. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, thank you. <coughs> Sounding very official today. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. My quality is just off the charts. It's wonderful. It's unreal. <laughs> Gotta love those Blue Yeti microphones that someone, uh, awesome, someone awesome bought you for Christmas, I believe, one year. Yeah, I think it was Morgan. <laughs> no, no, it was me. But that's fine. That's fine. So that's who we have joining us here today for I Never Cast for This. Uh, just I'll say this at the start because I always say this like halfway through. For those listening on uh, podcasts, uh, you can listen to us uh, live on twitch.tv slash I never cast for this, and you can see our lovely faces and our reactions, or you can just listen to the audio as well. Either works for us. Um, but yeah, so what have you, what, what's new with you guys? What have, what have we missed from last week? What did you guys do in the last week? Start with Erebus, I suppose. Well, uh, I played, again, surprise, surprise, a lot of World of Warcraft. I beat a Mythic 9 yesterday. Uh, for those that don't know, it, the comparison is probably Diablo 3, but basically they have dungeon runnings with timers on them that progressively get more difficult. And the highest we had completed was a level 8. So myself and my buddy Calvin yesterday beat a level 9. So that's the highest we've gone. So we're pretty happy about that. We're hoping to beat a 10 this week and then eventually beat a 15 before the next patch comes out. So we have been enjoying that. Uh, playing lots of Rocket League and Player Unknown Battlegrounds. I think most of us are playing. That's just hit a new level with the new first-person mode, and everybody's been oh, yeah. pretty hyped about that. So Battlegrounds has been eating up a lot of my time as well. But I have the goal now of beating all of the Deus Ex games within the next month. So I'm going to hmm. start that process hopefully next week. And... Uh, I've read some more stuff on Mankind Divided, and notably the DLC, which I'll talk to uh, Trailart about later. But I think I'm going to give it a, a the full series a run, and and I might stream it or something. I'm still thinking about it. Hmm. Awesome. Well, I didn't yeah. know you guys did a Mythic Nine, and wow, that's insane. I'll have to join you guys for the next one. And uh, I bought you Mankind Divided for your birthday last year, I think. So maybe I'll celebrate the one year anniversary of not playing the game <laughs> by playing the game. There you go. It's about time. And uh, so trailer besides your puppy and Secret World Legends, the, anything else new in your life? No, I'm in between terms at school, so <clears throat> I've just been taking it really easy. 
So nothing wrong with that. Same with me. I'm off all summer, so I'm pumped about that. I've been playing a lot of Skyrim lately, actually. And I ordered a brand new graphics card, a, t- a GTX 1060, 6 gigabyte, and it should arrive a week from today, actually, so I'm super pumped about that. Can't wait. All right, uh, I think that does it for all the catch-up stuff, so let's get into the gaming news. So there's a new game that Dota... Is it, uh, the, I'm assuming the creators of Dota 2 made it. It's, is it Valve? Is that who? Did it? That was Valve, it's right? It's Valve. Yeah. yeah. So Valve just released this new card game, or they announced it anyway, called Artifact. And uh, it's pretty hilarious because there was this video that was uploaded because the, the big release happened and there was a bunch of people in the audience. And as soon as they announced it, it was a game from Valve and the name Artifact came up on the screen and everyone started getting really excited. And then it said the card game. And everyone's like, <laughs> oh, no, and everyone started getting really upset. But uh, I personally don't know a whole lot about it. Do you know much about it, trailer? Honestly, I've seen the the teaser trailer for it and. I checked around to see if I was missing anything. I was not. The only thing that's that's out there is the teaser. All we know is it's it's a Dota based card game, and that's it. And it's going to be released in 2018. Okay. So I mean, card games can be good. I mean, there's Hearthstone. There's there's Gwent. Gwent is a card game, right? From Witcher. Yeah, Quite the one. Uh, Witcher, from 3. Witcher three. Yeah. 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 And I think they're all pretty terrible, but yes. <laughs> I think but, they're just money-making rackets, but I don't okay. like them at all. But a card game, you have to make money in it. I mean, that's Book uh, yeah, Magic but, the Gathering uh, and stuff. Like, I love Magic, and yes, it is a huge money sink, but it, it's fun. I love it. It's fun. Yeah, we each have our own references. <laughs> but yes, they are huge money sinks, for sure. Uh, so, I don't... Yeah, besides that, yeah, it was mostly just a teaser, I guess, so there's not really much else to say about that. Um... Right? Anything else you guys want to say about that? No. Pretty much that's it. <laughs> no. Move on. No, move, move on to a more exciting topic, please. Yes. <laughs> Destiny 2 is teaming up God. with... Anyone know? I know. That was me that matched up. I don't know. No. <laughs> Destiny 2 is partnering with Pop-Tarts. And I'm Rockstar Drink. Oh, well, it's about time. I've been saying it for years. I mean, this is ridiculous. Uh, similar to what Call of Duty did with Doritos, and I think Titanfall did with Doritos and, and Mountain Dew and all that stuff, where you get like bonus XP and di- different things like that. I think it's just bonus XP you get. But anyways, they're teaming up with Pop-Tarts to give you that bonus XP. What, what, they always team up with, like, why can't they team up with like Brussels sprouts or something? Just to, like, I don't know, but uh, they're actually teaming up with uh, two brands. Did you say Brussels sprouts? Well, it's always unhealthy stuff. I know. <laughs> it's video. Well, the other brand that they're that they're partnering with for this is Rockstar Drinks, energy drinks. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's heart attacks and sugar, so there we go. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no addicted gamer is going to say, yes, let me get some carrots and dip yeah. to do this gaming marathon. But I mean, it's always like the most unhealthy things. <laughs> I literally just had two Pop-Tarts when I got home today, and that was my supper. It was perfect. That was your supper? Yeah, it's all you need. <laughs> packed full of nutrition. Uh, Albondil in chat says Pop Tarts are amazing. Back off. Yeah. Oh, I'm not denying exactly. they're amazing. I love Pop Tarts. They are absolutely phenomenal. But as a meal in the day, I don't think so. 
But I think the big thing about those is uh, some people are pissed off because they're actually giving away XP boost codes with uh, specially marked products. Oh, you're wonderful. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind as long as it's not a pay to win. I don't care about anything to do with leveling speed. I don't care if they give you a free the level max level character. It's just if they give you gear. That's when I have a problem with it. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, moving on from that, who here likes PUBG Player Unknown Battlegrounds? Absolutely. I haven't. I've never played it, but the news that I heard today was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. What news did you hear today, Trailer? Nice segue. Well, uh, last week we talked about uh, stream snipers. We Basically, did. people watching streamers' streams and then going out and killing them mm-hmm. uh, based on where they are in the world. Now there's a new game called Streaming or Stream Honkers, where they're uh, pretty much fighting out where the these streamers are hiding and just driving past, constantly honking their horn, <laughs> and they're running away whenever they get shot at. <laughs> Yeah, that most recently happened to one of the... So, the PUBG has a very polarizing streamer community. So, there's streamers like Shroud and Summit that are pretty much universally liked on the, there. And then there's people like Dr. Disrespect and um, Grimms, who are people that some people like, some people don't. But the thing with Grimms is Grimms gets very triggered by things happening to him. And he was like, he's the guy that was around the stream sniping thing, getting ban- banning people in chat and all this stuff. And there's videos online of him getting stream honked. I think he was the original person that was getting stream honked, actually. And it's hilarious. People will literally just go around and not, they don't try to kill him because they don't want to give away their IDs or anything like that. They just literally do drive by honking and just chase him around so he can't play the game properly. But it's amazing. I'm still trying to figure this out. How do, how do people know if you're in a game with a streamer? Like, I, don't I think understand. it's just. I think it's just. These guys have twenty five thousand viewers, twenty five to thirty thousand people watching. These are like the big time guys. So statistically, if all of them are trying to get into a game, and they're all like, you know, even if ten thousand or fifteen thousand of them are playing the game at the time, and everybody's trying to queue with them, somebody is going to get in with them. It only takes one person to do that, right? So if people just keep track of it, he doesn't have a huge delay on his stream. So people just queue at the same time, as in chances are somebody's going to get in with them, and everybody has the same goal, just to piss him off, really. Yeah, because he's just a guy that reacts really like strongly to people, and it it, it he gets well, really triggered. That must be why they do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that, yeah, I, I don't know. To me, it just seems like it'd be really hard to do, but obviously not if it keeps happening. Yeah, so, yeah. So gotta love those trolls doing that. I wonder yeah. what's what's gonna happen next week. We have stream sniping and stream honking. I don't know. I can only imagine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But it's 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 crazy how much traction that game's getting. It's ridiculous. And some other news. I think this finishes off the news, but uh, unless we have something else, but Shadow of War, the new, the first game, uh, Middle Earth: Shadow of Mordor, was amazing. I finished it last week. It's incredible. And Shadow of War comes out October thirteenth, I think. So that game has like a lot of hype surrounding it and everything. But they just announced there's going to be single player microtransactions in it, <laughs> and they're going to like increase leveling speed and experience and all this kind of stuff. But like. In a single-player game, having microtransactions just seems really strange, first of all. But I, a lot of people are concerned that they're going to slow down the leveling speed significantly to almost really, really entice you to buy these boosts, which could be a pretty big that's issue. A, yeah, that's a really dangerous road they're going down. Like if, if 
the enjoyability. It's one thing to have microtransactions in a single player game. That who cares if it doesn't impact the enjoyment of people not paying. But if it goes down the road of it, of impacting people that you know you're feeling pigeonholed into spending money on a single player game, then that's oh man, that's that's bad. If that sets a trend. Is- well, this is why PC gaming's good because, uh, well, somebody just releases a program to just bypass all of that. It's a single-player game, so you don't need to be connected to anything to play it. Yeah, I guess you could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not for, not for console people though, of course. But yeah, no, yeah. But I figured I'd just mention that because that kind of came out today or yesterday, the last couple of days. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that. That's interesting. Yeah, it seems. Uh, didn't Mankind Divided have some kind of microtransactions too? They do, but from what I can see, it doesn't impact. It just may, you can basically gear out your character a lot faster, and there's like crate things or something you can open or something like that. But there, it uh, uh, from what I understand, it's not it's not at all there to increase enjoyability of the game. It's just to speed up the process of your building your character. Okay, yeah, but like Shadow. I'll know more. I'll I'll, uh, I'll comment on that when I I'll, I'll be playing it within the next couple of weeks. So I'll uh, I'll see. Sweet. Yeah, I know Shadow of Mordor like is a really grindy game anyway. So, yeah, like I don't mind like killing endless monsters over and over and over. And uh, but yeah, like if they slow it down dramatically, that'd be uh, I can see there being a huge backlash from the community for that. Uh, any other news that I missed? Uh, not that I know of. No, no. I covered everything okay. that I had as well. Yeah. All right, well, in that case, let's move on to the topic of the week. So, the topic today is we're going to talk about early access titles and whether they are outrageous or if they are actually, hold on, what was the word I had? Sensible. Sensible. (laughs) I don't know why I can't remember that word today. So, basically, well, trailer, I guess you you can take it from here, so... Early access came from well. Okay, when did early access first start? I guess do you know? Do you have the information for that? I got no information on that, but we could probably go back to the likes of uh, the best known one, uh, one of the more earlier ones, and that would be Minecraft. Um, whenever Minecraft came out, it was indeed early access. I believe it was like ten bucks when it was first uh, released. Yeah, it was pretty cheap. So, I mean, they weren't really, I mean, it was, it wasn't that much to get invested into it, but now what it's become, it's become so much bigger and everything else. It's not a game that I would personally play. Uh, I know Mark enjoys those types of games, but, uh, (laughs) very funny. I know, but, uh, but I mean, at least it got finished. Uh, and even, and even when it was in early access, it was still in a very playable state. Early access is Essentially, for anybody who doesn't know, is just uh, a game that has come with uh, without all of the features that's been promised. But basically, you pay money to fund the creation of the game, and you get to play it uh, as it's going through its alpha phases and its beta phases. Right. So you're almost paying for an idea, in a sense. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Well, you're paying to test, but yeah, that's basically what it is. You're 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 paying to play an alpha or a beta, like you said and you're paying to test a completely unfinished product that, well, to be honest, it might not ever be finished, which is a huge issue. <laughs> Especially for, like, because there are some developers that promise millions and millions of things to go into a game, and then they abandon a game, like, halfway through the cycle. So that can be 
very, very, uh, more, in my opinion, morally wrong thing to do, especially when people are paying good money for it. So, yes. do you, in your opinions, do you guys think early access games could be a cash grab? Oh, very definitely. So. Definitely. The concept of early access games, I actually, I actually like the concept. Um, is it abused tremendously? Yes, a lot. Um, the probably the obviously one of the more successful examples are is PUBGo, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But I, I really don't think early access. I, I think there's a lot of examples, and I'm sure Trailer's catalog there. But basically, of of games that have been put in almost like pre-alpha stage like there's no set parameters around what an early access title is some of them are like more beta some of them are more pre-alpha some are alpha and some of them are just not even playable in their current state but i think steam doesn't have the necessary parameters around what can be put on their their system right now or they're not they're not they don't have the right control mechanisms in place for their early access games that i think it's 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 causing that cash grab issue where where developers are putting stuff up maybe with no intention of actually finishing the product. Yeah. So what can Steam do? Or or Trailer, did you want to add something to that? Uh, no, just overall, that the what I feel is there needs to be protections. Uh, there needs to be certain uh, things in place, I suppose, to make sure that uh, cash, ca- cash grabs don't happen. That's what I was going to uh, ask. Like, what can Steam do to combat that? Do you think? Oh, to combat. Uh, what they could do is uh, possibly add an extended, um, instead of the current refund system, creating yeah. a new refund system specifically for early access games with a longer uh, time frame for which you can actually redeem yeah. uh, the refund. Yeah. Because if someone releases a game and decides, okay, well, I'm going to do this minor patch after the just put it up and then two weeks later they put up something else then another week maybe something else and then nothing mm-hmm. uh, for you know what I mean either months or ever so there should be some protection there uh, for the for the buyers I think a fixed pricing model is what I would suggest like I, I, I my problem that I see with early access games is there's absolutely no control over the pricing of the games. And I think that's completely unfair to the consumer, like having to pay full price for an early access game that is clearly like they have like this thing on steam where it like it's splashed across the page, like Daisy and all those different games. Like most of the survival games have like early access This is an early access title. It could have bugs, could have whatever. I think a fixed pricing model it should be kept separate from Steam. Like there should be, you know, every early access game can charge up to $10 or something. If you want to call it, if you want to have a cap on it or something. And then you could have links on the Steam page to their Kickstarter or whatever they're using for funding to fund their games more. There should be like a separate way to do that if you're enjoying the game, but it shouldn't be, there should be some control there because there's companies charging like $59.99 for the game and, and or $49.99 for the game or whatever. And then just the game ends up dying or just gets stuck in this early access thing for perpetuity. And then like, what do you, like, what do you do? So I think that, I think the, the pricing thing is the biggest problem I have with, with how it's set up. But the only thing I would argue is if that was the case, if $10 was the maximum amount, think about how much money player unknown battlegrounds would have lost because they, they're charging what 39 or 29 
for yeah, but you can't tell me that the amount like that's the thing, right? So like they're charging thirty bucks or whatever it is for the game, but the amount of money that he has made, and now like this here, this is the whole other thing. So this is the biggest the whole debatable topic that's in PUBG right now is that player unknown promised that he wouldn't have any microtransactions into the game until full release and they've already put a crate buying system into the game and it's that's in an early act so now you have microtransactions in an early access game i would argue that putting microtransactions in an early access game is fine but not after you've charged people 30 bucks for the early access game and now you're charging microtransactions for the early access game now Battlegrounds is pretty much guaranteed. It's it's already in a playable state now. With that, even if it released exactly the same as it is now, it's perfectly fine. But it's a dangerous road to go down for games that are still buggy and crashing and not working, and you're charging all that money. I I think having the fixed pricing, and then they can use a crate system or whatever they want to put into the game to raise additional money. What he said is he's put the crate system in to raise money for future esports events. So that's not it's not even going into development of the game. So they clearly have enough money, more than enough money from selling copies of the game that uh, I don't think that would have made much of a difference. That like We're talking like they sold like 10, what is it, 10 million copies or five, whatever so far. That's I think it's more than 30 that, bucks actually, a, but yeah. So I that's 30 bucks. Bu- yeah. So 30 bucks a pop, 10 million copies, right? Yeah. Like that, the, that, that money is not going into development. Some of it is, but it, that's grossly over what... What do you, I think a uh, 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 ten dollars is completely fine. I think something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, you make a good point. It's true. Like ha- having microtransactions in an unfinished game, it's saying, "Oh, but it will be fine. Don't worry. You'll be able to use these things in a great capacity in a few months down the road." Like that. Yeah, I think that is a dangerous territory to get in. Now, play. I don't think PUBG is going to fail at all. Like I think it's no. it's already proven it's going to take off, and it already has. So I don't think there's much worry for that game in particular. But if other games follow suit, yeah, it could could be an issue. I think. Anything, yeah. Anything you want to add to that, trailer? Just that uh, I think the price mark is a sore point for a lot of people. Um, and at the end of it, it depends on what you're actually getting for your money. I mean, another example of a game that was on the more expensive side it was like four, well, I paid 40 bucks for it for um, Conan Exiles yeah but, and that was cheap because I got the like the special edition which was supposed to come with a t-shirt and I never got my t-shirt so Funcom mm-hmm. basically ripped me off oh. for that one. Oh no that's but uh, and as far as updates go I don't know it's slow going and yeah, I mean, I thought uh, with a company like Funcom that has a history of making video games, uh, the updates would be a bit quicker on it, on the mm-hmm. mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have the probably the most popular example of an early access game. We already talked about PUBG, Player Unknown Battlegrounds. Um, another one that worked, I think, uh, Prison Architect. Would you agree with that trailer? Or would, did, yeah, that, did that have a rusty start or anything? I I, have, I don't own it myself. No, um, I've I've bought Prison Architect uh, not too long after it was uh, released on Steam. I yeah. played a bit of it and up, basically updated or upgraded to the name in the game edition. Uh, but it was in a totally playable state. A lot of the features weren't there, but they were steadily added. Uh, quite quickly, especially for an indie developer. 
and the game just went uh, came out of early access to full release like I think it was at the end of last year maybe I can't remember exactly but uh, the game did end up being released uh, as a full release and came with uh, all the features it was supposed to and more so it's definitely one of the games that you can actually put up there as a good example yeah. of uh, what early access is supposed to be. So when the game first came out, how does it compare to what it's like now? When the game, well, whenever it first entered early access, it was very bare bones. It had basic functionality. Uh, those things like, uh, I don't think there was the, the power system was set up. And by power, I mean literally electricity. And things like that. Yeah. So basic stuff like that, but those were added gradually and made sure it worked. Then they released the next update where they added maybe plumbing and door lo- uh, locks for the doors, which is quite important in a game like Prison Architect. Mm-hmm. But they got there in the end and they didn't use uh, any type of microtransaction or work, didn't double dip. Uh, basically, they were good to the word about what they were going to do and they delivered and do you know the time frame like how long it was from early access to full release if I remember right it was maybe two three years but no I would go more go for about two years and as I said I still play it occasionally uh, it's one of those games that you can spend maybe half an hour an hour on just building up your prison and you know, I mean, setting up your death chambers, the electric chairs, and things like that. Uh, think of it like uh, SimCity, but with a more darker purpose, let's just say. Okay. Arabits, do you own uh, Prison Architect as well? Uh, let me I check. I, I, thought I, pl- I thought I played it on you your do? computer like once. I didn't realize that even was an early access game. It was cool. I, play- I only played it for a little while, but it was a cool game. It... Uh, I don't know if I was playing it in early access though, or if I was playing it in uh, full release. But either way, it was a polished, good game. But I can't really comment more than that. Yeah. But yeah. So if if more game companies can follow that uh, that model, then that would be uh, be really good for sure. Um, another one. Uh, we'll get to the bad ones in a second. But another. Well, I, actually, this one's kind of more mixed. I think I don't know a whole lot about it, but Erebus, I know you do. Uh, Star Citizen. Yeah, Star Citizen is probably the biggest kick. I think it's the biggest Kickstarter funded game out there. The interesting thing with Star Citizen is is the way they have their early access thing designed is you can buy packages that cost up to $10,000 on their website. So you can buy something as cheap as like the price of a game, which I think is like 30 or 40 bucks, all the way up to like 10 grand for all of these different. Basically, you're you're buying the ships themselves. So Star Citizen is a is like Elite Dangerous. It's a it's a uh, space simulator. spaceship space simulator. But you can get out of your ship, and it's kind of got a first person shooter mode, and it it looks absolutely incredible. But it's been in development for a very long time. They're very behind on a lot of stuff they're saying, and it's probably one of the most ambitious games ever made in terms of scope and scale and everything. So a lot of people have the concern that the it's kind of like the Peter Molyneux guy, or whatever his name is, the guy that developed fa- the, the Fable games and everything, where he promises all these things and. The concern is, is it actually ever going to come out and ever going to be delivered the way they're saying it's going to be delivered? But people have put like they've raised. I can't I don't have it in front of me, but they have millions and millions and millions of dollars raised. It's like the most number one uh, funded thing on Kickstarter, I'm pretty sure. And uh, so their early access model is a bit different because you're buying like a ship 
or, or multiple ships and you're going into basically a, a small kind of versioned world uh, within Star Citizen that you can fly the ships around, test them, do some combat. Um, but the game, like in terms of any additional gameplay, it's pretty limited and it's very, very buggy and very hard to play, but they're very open and transparent about that. And it's, and it's basically like for hardcore beta testers and people that want to really contribute feedback to the, to the developers. So I think they've communicated it well so that it's not misleading um, through their Reddit page and stuff like that. But it's, it's kind of a unique early access game where you're not actually paying for the game. You're just kind of buying the ships themselves and testing them out. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I was reading some, uh, just a quote somebody said uh, on a forum that it seems that the more money uh, the company gets for Star Citizen, the longer early access seems to last. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, uh, like they're constantly adding new stuff, but it's the more money they get, the better they're trying mm. to make the game. And I, uh, I could- so, I'm just hoping it's not going to turn into another like uh, Duke Nukem Forever debacle. I, yeah, I don't think it will. Like they've shown enough at like the, like they've shown a lot at their game at the not E3 or whatever it's called, but all the different conferences that they've been at. They've shown like really long, like forty-five minute gameplay trailers that show a lot of content in the game. So they are pretty far along with it. But again, they have features that are promised in the game that are absolutely ridiculous in scope and scale that are going to take years to develop. So, but I think they're they're saying they're on track this year to I think it's 3.0 or whatever the patch. I can't remember the numbers of the patches, but. They, the next patch is when me and my buddy Atherkis are planning to buy the game because it's actually going to have a full kind of story mode, co-op type. It's going to be an actual game then in the state that it'll be in instead of just kind of a flying ships around aimlessly. Right. So uh, we're going to try it then. But that And it's still going to be a beta. They're not saying it's a release, but it's it'll be more in a, a playable state. So I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I've, I've kept track of it pretty closely, and it's they've been pretty good with their communication. I don't actually mind that what they're doing as much as some other companies. Yeah. And that's the whole thing with Kickstarters too. It's kind of a, it, I think it kind of ties into this discussion. Kickstarters, whether it's for games or, there we go. Now we can see you. You were like vanishing into the darkness there, like a true rogue from World of Warcraft. But, <laughs> beautiful angel. Uh, but Kickstarters in general, I just got completely distracted there. <laughs> yes. Angelic voice. Um, Kickstarters are like not even just for games, but for for any category really. They you you are just paying for an idea that literally someone thought of an idea and they're like, hey, give me money so I can do this. But yeah. it seems like a big issue. And, and uh, trailer, going back to your point from earlier, the, it seems like the more money the developer gets, the slower the progress goes. But like I can see that happening because I can see that be. I, I could see how that could be demotivating for developers being like, Oh, we already have this money. Why continue? Or why rush this? We already have the money. We're going to be able to eat. <laughs> so yeah. who cares? Right. Whereas if they didn't have a lot of money, they want to really push out good content. So it's almost like the other end of it too. Well, yeah, it's, so. it's like a construction project, right? Like they, they friggin they, because they're not held accountable on dates, it's it's like anything you know when the government tells you something will be done at a certain time it's you have no control over it you've paid your money towards taxes or in this case the game but you have they have no obligation to deliver you a product at a certain time or anything like that so mm-hmm. you know they have estimated deadlines most of them at least are kind enough to communicate that but as people said you know star citizen was supposed to come out i believe in like 2015 or 2016 or something so, and it's nowhere even close so it uh but, you know, some people that are really invested in game development and, and donate to those games, I, I, I like the Kickstarter model because it 
it kind of goes to our topics from before where with Kickstarter and with independent funding like Star Citizen and Elite Dangerous have, we get those more innovative games being built. So I don't mind people having the choice to donate to these games and get an early, early tryout of them. But those games are communicated really well as beta tested, like buggy games. I find there's so many games on Steam that people probably buy misleadingly and think it's playable and it may be not, and it, it's, it's not, right? Even Battlegrounds is a good example of that. I mean, up until last week or two weeks ago, a lot of people couldn't even play Battlegrounds properly and it was a lag fest and it was really pretty much a disaster to play. And it's, it's, some people have argued that it, it, it hasn't been communicated that clearly mm-hmm. that uh, the game is that buggy. So uh, I, I've seen a kind of different model from Battlegrounds compared to Star Citizen and how they're doing that. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of people complain about uh, Battlegrounds too, saying like, oh, I paid all this money and I should be able to play the game and other people defend it saying, oh no, the game's in early access, so you need to give them a break. But like really, it goes back to what we were saying before. Like if you're paying $40 to play a game and adding microtransactions to this game, I think it needs to work. Like better, yeah. better than that. It needs to actually be functional, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go on to a really, really bad one and trailer i think i'll let you take this so uh erebus you you mentioned the name peter is it peter molyneux how do you pronounce it yeah what early access game did he make trailer (laughs) oh he's done a few but uh, the main one is uh goddess or goddess everyone to pronounce it he actually um it was supposed to be a spiritual successor to a game he was involved with back in the 90s uh, called Populous, which basically gave us the God game uh, genre. Now, what Peter Molyneux did was he begged for funding, uh, which he got, I believe it was through Kickstarter, it might have been through one of the others, but either way, he managed to get $750,000 uh, from backers and promised basically the moon and everything else along with it. 30 months later, and $800,000, basically there was pretty much no features at all in the game. Nothing? It promised. Or pretty much at all anyway. At which point it was announced there was nobody actually working on the game anymore. So uh, Peter Molyneux has a strong history of promising a lot of things i mean this is the guy behind the fable series who fable 3 was supposed to redefine you know what i mean the entire genre and well we're pretty much seeing how that turned out but that's the other side basically when someone who has a name who has had a history of making good games in the past suddenly comes out and uses their name power to get funding for something that's just absolutely ridiculous and then doesn't do anything close to delivering what they promised, then that's that's a big problem. Yeah. And even though it wasn't an early access title, I can think back to when Destiny was first released and Bungie was like very, very highly reputable company. Like everybody loved Halo and like they were ditching Halo to use work on this huge, massive project. And Destiny was supposed to be game changing completely. And of course, at launch, like it turned out to be pretty good after, but at launch, it certainly wasn't, in my opinion anyway, and, and I know a lot of people share this opinion, it wasn't what it should have been. And I think just going by the Bungie name, that's kind of what piggybacked them to all the sales they had and everything too. But 
but yeah, like how how does Peter, how can Peter Molyneux like defend that decision to do that? Being like, how how can he live with how how can he sleep at night knowing he got eight hundred thousand dollars from people and then openly say, yeah, no one's working on the game anymore. Peter Molyneux, he sleeps pretty well, I would assume. Um, he's a businessman first and foremost. But the big thing with that is what he what he actually said after that whole fiasco with uh, Goddess, he decided that he was going to give up. All, you know, I mean, he wasn't going to do any more interviews. He wasn't going to do anything. He wasn't going to have his name out there. And then less than a year later, he's out trying to promote another game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't think he has any, any problems sleeping that night. <laughs> yeah. And I think I'm in the unpopular opinion when I say I actually kind of liked Fable 3. Like, I don't, I didn't listen to what the promises were. Like, I just played it and that was it. I didn't and that, that's, that's the thing. It was, it, was a, it was a good game. But if you looked, everyone that was hyped on what he was showing at the different conferences and how he was promoting the interaction and the living, breathing world and all the other stuff that he was talking about with those games... It didn't. If he had just kept people's expectations down, it wouldn't have been an issue. It was actually a decent game. It's just it was just because of how he promoted it. And isn't No Man's Sky kind of in the same boat as that? No Man's Sky was an abomination. I, I heard it was actually like for for what it is, especially now for what it is, it's actually like a decent game. But for what it was promised and hyped to be, because it's one of the most hyped yeah. games that I can think of in recent yeah. memory. Yeah, yeah. I think that kind of was a letdown in itself just because of how much expectation there was placed upon it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 it's gotten a lot better feedback. Another game that's gotten better feedback is for honor for honor got smashed because Mm. Ubisoft released it on non dedicated servers. They, the, the game had a huge connection issue um, because of that. It uh, lacked a lot of development. It was, they didn't have a clear plan of what they were doing with the game. Now they're releasing dedicated servers uh, everybody's saying the game is a lot better. It's a lot more stable. Um, but Ubisoft has a, has a trend that kind of deviating a little bit from early access, but it's kind of the same thing where they release unfinished games. Uh, the Division, uh, Rainbow Six Siege, uh, for like all these for Honor, all of these games they release in non-playable states that are crashing, that are causing huge issues, get terrible reviews. People don't buy them. And then months and months later, they become hits because people, you know, they they patch them, fix them up, add up more content. So if they had just done that in the first place, they'd be a lot more well received. But some mm-hmm. people swear, like I, I know people that won't buy any Ubisoft games; they just refuse because yeah. they. Uh, well, I mean, that's where reputation gets trust you. Over. Yeah. Well, that also leads into another topic as well: of is a game ever truly finished? Well, in the nineties, yeah. they were. <laughs> well, that. Yeah, the uh, basically the guy. There, so there's a guy with, with a company called Graphite Labs, his development company. His name's Matt Donatelli, and he says from his perspective, he said too many developers are treating early access as a funding strategy and rushing their games to the platform. For an early access game to be successful, it must have a complete gameplay loop, contain dozens of hours of replayability, and have a clear roadmap for hitting full release. If a developer's game does not beat those criteria and they head to early access, there's no way that their early access revenue will sustain their development team. So he kind of sets that criteria as to what he thinks Steam should be enforcing to as as and 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 yes, to Willie's point, you know, the game can continue developing over time and games are never truly finished for in a lot of cases, but he views that as the minimum threshold to be able to call a game early access and that there should be some other terminology before that if those those things don't exist that 
basically create a, uh, you know, I don't know what the term would be, but it def- early access kind of because of like the way PUBG is now and other games. Some people view that term as, oh, it's a playable game. It's just, you know, it's got some bugs and stuff, right? But there are some early access games that exist that I'm sure we'll talk about that are not like that at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I can give a good example of one that uh, just was absolutely atrocious. So bad that they actually changed the name. And that was the War Z. Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. You know what I mean? It was, it was so bad that... Um, the amount of bad reviews people were given on their uh, on the Steam forums that the developers were deleting people and banning people from the from posting on, on the those forums. Ooh, that's not good. I believe didn't Valve uh, pull pull the game. They pull, They were they were deleting reviews too, right? Or is that what you just said? Yeah. Yeah, they were deleting. Yeah, I think it, something happened there where they were deleting reviews and like banning people from. Pe- they were banning people that had bought the game and written bad reviews, and they were banning those people, like from playing the game that had <laughs> That's paid. Pretty for ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, and then whenever the press picked up about it, of course, well, there's no, there's none that could save it. So what they did was they went ahead and renamed it. I think it was Infestation Survivor Stories or something like that. Now you know you're in trouble. We need to rename your game to like hide it. <laughs> but it's <laughs> it's. But from what I've heard, it's exactly the same game. I just I don't I don't get it. Like, and that's I'm pretty sure I say this every single podcast. But I miss the old days when they make a full packaged game, and Nintendo is really good for this. Make a full packaged game, and that's it. You buy it, pay fifty, sixty dollars, and you know exactly what you're getting. There's nothing else to go with it. And and going back to your point before trailer about his game truly finished. I guess, like, yeah, like, if you if you buy a game outright and then they add DLC, like, yes, they could add, like, endless amounts of DLC. But really, as long as the base game is is solid, finished, and well-produced, then that's, I think that's what is, expect what should be expected and what is needed. Yeah. Any any other points you guys wanted to make about this? Uh, or any other I'm, games I'm, that you're looking at? That, I thought one interesting thing that is kind of it's controversial, but it has picked up some steam on Kickstarter is um, there's a thing called early ninja, which is something that this company is trying to start as kind of like an insurance policy for early access games. So basically it's it's promises less risk for purchases of early access games, more accountability from developers and a lower chance of scams. Basically, how it works is creators of early access games will partner with the platform. All revenue from sales of their games on the platform are held by early ninja and then a percentage of the revenue minus a cut for the early ninja company is distributed to the developer as they meet predetermined milestone updates for their game and it's basically video game insurance and what they're trying to do with that is get basically an early access game gets the early ninja stamp so that people know that they're backed by early ninja and that they have a certain criteria that they have to follow Mm. and then it kind of gives people the assurance that the early access game that they're buying is um legit but of course, some developers are pushed back on that and said that Early Ninja is given way too much control with the money and et cetera, et cetera. So it is controversial, but it is a cool idea, I think, to hold the developers a little bit more accountable than what the current say, model is. I think is. that's exactly what needs to happen for developers. Keep them accountable so they, yeah, they're almost not forced, but strongly encouraged to produce it. Their, their comments are more of the ambiguity around Early Ninja's policies around like the milestones and that Early Ninja has way too much control of because of, the money all goes to Early Ninja before it goes to the actual developer. And so they're they're saying, well, Early Ninja can, you know, bend the rules and policies and stuff like that. But I think that's just lazy speak. I think they can I think there's a way to come up with something that works. And then I, I think it would just be cool like 
in the future people could say, okay, there's an early access title on Steam. Is it, it does it have the early ninja, you know, seal or whatever the thing is, right? So you know that it's quality early access game. I think that's a cool idea yeah. to kind of differentiate it. I think it's definitely a good idea, and if it's not a perfect idea, it's certainly on the right track. I think it's something that is certainly yeah, it's good for holding yeah, like you said, holding developers accountable. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Trailer? Yeah, that's pretty much the best that we could ever that we could ask for, uh, because if they are held, if the developers are held accountable at the end of it all, then you know what I mean. If the if they've done the work on the on the and they've tried to put out the best product to the best of their ability, then okay. But if they've done absolutely nothing with the game uh, that they promised, then yeah, there should be repercussions for that. Mm-hmm. And the repercussions should be severe enough that, well, they're not going to chance doing it again. Or if they do do it again, it's going to come at the, at, a, at their own expense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And do you say that, that, what do you say it's called? Ninja, what is it? Early Ninja. Early Ninja. So do you say they have things like they're expected to release by certain dates? Or they're just, or do they just hold the company accountable for actually releasing specific content? They hold. They hold the company accountable, so that all of the money that is raised goes to Early Ninja, and then the company sets milestones. Kind of what, like Alvin Neal saying in chat here about setting milestones, dates of when things should be released. If they're planning to have, you know, five levels released at this date, or in Star Citizen's case, are they going to have by this date? I don't know, two more planets added that are going to be able to be fully explored. I don't know, different milestones. Like like when you go on Kickstarter, you see a set of milestones that they try to aim towards. Um, but this one actually holds them accountable from a financial perspective, so they're a lot more motivated. Because we were kind of talking about how they get all this money from early access, and then they get lazy, and they already have their money, and they don't push the development of the game. This makes them push the development to get their money from early Ninja. And our, and what early Ninja is saying is that their sales will be boosted because of the branding of early Ninja, basically saying that they're they're being held accountable. So they're, oh, they're arguing yeah. they'll sell more copies by that yeah. way. So I thought that was a cool idea. Yeah. I just thought of an idea, too. What do you think if a company sets a release date up for when the game is expected to release so let's say they, they the company says the game will release October 10th for example and mm-hmm. you're allowed to refund the game up until that point until it's actually fully released like do you think a game should always be refundable if it's in early access or do you do you think it See, should be based on hours played or the problem the, the problem with that is it, that's just the business side of things so they can't develop and and pay their people and do, have a business model with assets and liabilities if the money that they're raising if, if you if if the three or five million copies of battleground sold but all five million people can refund their game you're you're never going to be able to operate a company you well it, it won't work no one will work for the company because it's just too risky right like you, you like they'd have to not pay their people or or do something like they wouldn't have the assets to be able to support the company and there would be way too much risk and people that are investing into the company for a return wouldn't uh, invest so they'd lose funding from other sources as well yeah that's true i'm just trying to figure out a way to combat that yeah i guess the best way i think which we talked about before was just extend the refund period beyond two hours to like 10 or five or something yeah. Do, you, do you guys agree with that, or do you see an issue with that? No, I think that would uh, suit. You know, I mean, <clears throat> definitely uh, be more suitable because uh, then it could be over a, a longer period of uh, of actual time, uh, not actual play time, but um, maybe a couple of releases. 
of updates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. For sure. So, what do you guys think? Are early access titles, are they outrageous or sensible? What do you think? Erebus, what do you think? I think they're sensible if they're controlled. I think some of the onus is on the developer, again, and some of the onus is on the provider of the plat- or the the selling platform, this being Steam in most cases. I think Steam needs to be a lot more vigilant in, in uh, dictating what games can be called early access and maybe think about coming up with some terminology for games that don't meet a early access threshold. It could also be this whole early ninja thing could be tied to Steam. Steam could completely steal this idea and just and just come up with some monetary system where if a game is called early access on Steam, Steam has verified the game has met these five five things. It's playable, it has replayability, it, it, it's it's stable from a technical perspective, I don't know, whatever they come up with, um, has at least 10 hours of gameplay, I don't know, something, something to that effect. And then they call it an early access game, and then people know when they're buying it on Steam if it's stamped with the seal from Steam saying it's an early access game. And otherwise, it's called a pre-alpha game or something. I don't know. I think I think Steam just needs to be a little bit more vigilant and 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 on on all this stuff. But I think with those those things in check, I think early access games are fine. And I think it, it still gives you know we all choose to buy the games, and if we're aware of the limitations of the game before we buy it, and we're still choosing to buy it, that's that's our decision to make. At least it's it's in the hands of the consumer. Yeah, and a, and a point that I think we should touch on before we we wrap it up too is uh, as a pro for for early access games is that it allows the players to give input into the development of the game yeah oh 100 i don't think we mentioned that yeah battlegrounds is probably the best one i've seen of that and play player unknown himself he releases monthly they've released monthly updates since the game went into early access which is crazy like full-on like huge updates every single month and they're reaching most of the targets that they've said and they've actually rolled back features that they tried to put into the game that the community on Reddit would say, nope, we hate this feature, doesn't work, don't like it, don't like what you're doing. And PlayerUnknown has actually come out and said, yeah, you're right, this isn't working. And they take that feature out of the game. So a lot of developers would not do that. But he, uh, if, if they're the ones that are actually really involved with the community, Brawlhalla is another one that we play that's a little bit of a smaller game, only probably has you know less players, but definitely has the same kind of thing. It's, it's kind of prolonged its success by keeping its interaction with the community going and taking features out and putting features in brahal actually has the setting has the whole test features thing that they add every week where they put something into the test features of a game but it's not actually live in the game so that people can test it for a week and then put feedback and reddit and then they decide whether to release it fully or not so i think they're some companies are doing it right for sure yeah for sure and uh trailer what's your opinion on the whole whole early access thing is it outrageous or sensible what do you think uh it can be sensible uh but i think the onus needs as arva said the onus does need to be more on the developers and on the platform that's providing access to these things uh which is well steam for the most part but the steam are at the minute valve isn't exactly making things easy for the consumer uh, just uh, recently in fact over the past week and this is after Valve uh, removed the whole st- uh, green light system uh, basically people just have to pay a hundred bucks and they get their game on Steam well over the past week alone there has been over 200 new games released using that system Right. 
So uh, from what I've seen, there was quite a few early access ones in that number. So whether or not that's going to plateau out, I don't know, but that's a huge number of games for one platform uh, to put night uh, from, especially from indie developers. Mm. So I think that's that's just going to compound the situation. Uh, I believe that eventually it will sort out itself, and there will be a viable business format that this will work on. It's just that we haven't quite got there yet. Right. So we still have some work to do. Or that companies still have some work to do, yeah. And yeah, I, I I'll agree with you guys. I don't think it's it's like I don't think it's fully outrageous or fully sensible. I think it is kind of in between more on the sensible side as long as depending on the game of course and depending on the developer and as long as the developer does put their all into what they're doing. And mm-hmm. Erebus, I see you're completely in the dark again. Nice. If uh yeah, like as long as a developer actually doesn't get lazy from all the money they're getting and actually puts forth ideas. They constantly interact with the community, such as as PUBG is doing. They constantly, as Erebus says, <laughs> okay, you just completely disappeared then. As long as they uh, give the full, as long as they're giving updates frequently, telling people what's going to be happening in the games and stuff and delivering, I think that's totally yeah. fine. And, and everyone's all in the uh, on the same boat throughout the whole journey of the development of the game yeah so Makes yeah sense. so i think that's i think it. we're all in agreement again no yeah. crazy debates again this week trailer hmm. we're gonna we're gonna need to fix that yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have we some will. real controversial topics soon i'm sure i want to come to blows what <laughs> you want to what he says he wants to be a keyboard warrior yes exactly <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, so that's enough about uh, early access titles. Hopefully we put that topic to rest pretty well. Uh, let's move on to some gaming deals. So what can we blow our money on, Trailer? Right. Most of these are going to come from Humble Bundle. And they're actually bundles themselves. Um, and the Micro Jumbo Bundle. Micro Jumbo Bundle? Micro Jumbo Bundle. Is that real? Uh, basically, there's, there, there's a bunch of indie games in, in that, but uh, there is something interesting with this. If you go onto that page and scroll down a bit, you're going to see that you can get Pony Island for free. Well, that's no a way. Deal. Yeah. No way. So you'll be able to pick that up. I've spoken about this game before, and it's a short game, but it's and it looks pretty basic, but it's actually quite entertaining. Uh, the second bundle that I've seen uh, on what that is running right now is the Unreal Engine and Unity Five Book Bundle. This is these are good if you actually want to start programming games yourself as an indie indie developer. Uh-huh. Uh, there's three different uh, tiers. Uh, so there's the one dollar tier, eight dollar tier, and fifteen dollar tiers, and there are quite a few books in there. I would say there's at least fifteen books listed. Uh, and finally, just uh, from from Humble Bundle, the monthly, uh, the early unlock for next month's bundle is Killing Floor Two, and that's for like twelve bucks. So if you haven't picked it up, you're good to go there. I heard that was a good game, actually. Oh yeah, um, the Vanishing of Ethan Car- Carter is over at Bundle Stars. What kind for of game $5 is that? Five dollars and fifty cents. Hmm? Is that like Life is Strange, or what kind of game is that? 
sort of. It's a bit more detective, detectivey, but it does oh, have okay. its own um, mechanics that aren't like, the same as uh, Life is Strange with the whole time thing. But does have its own quirk. Is it, is it a narrative thing. walking simulator? No, 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 no. no. It's, it is an actual like adventure game. Oh. You say a narrative walking simulator? Yeah, a lot of games like that. Yeah, that's, like, not a, that's a horrible way to describe a game. That sounds insanely boring. <laughs> Honestly, well, games. There are games out there. Like for example, uh, Everyone's Gone to the Rapture is one that would that could be called that. Okay, but yeah. Uh, next up, we have. Next up, we have a game we spoke about earlier. For Honor is having a, a free weekend uh, from tomorrow until the thirteenth, uh, and it's going to be on sale over that time as well. Uh, too late, Ubisoft. Too late. <laughs> yeah, we all own it. For everybody who's listening, uh, but there, but it is on sale. It will be on sale as well. I'm assuming it'll be through Ubisoft themselves, so it will be through the UPlay client. But if you want to try it out with the new servers, or you know what I mean, give it a go. You can download it for free, so just for the weekend. Have they added? And those are the game deals. Nice. Have they added rank to that? What, what are you doing with your microphone, Erebus? <laughs> Holding it on what? a pedestal. Uh, have they added ranked and stuff to For Honor yet? In like so that's Elo, what they're doing. They're putting, so, so people made this request about 13 years ago, but people wanted ranked mode in the game people wanted dedicated servers and the developer said no and there was all these articles about how p2p servers and are all you know they're they're better for this reason and everything and everyone's like no dedicated servers so they finally said oh we'll put dedicated servers in and ranked in there and i saw it on facebook the game has like hundreds of thousands of likes on facebook and it got 40 likes when i saw it last time because no one is paying attention to the game anymore so maybe this free weekend will help maybe but it's certainly it, lo- it, it went, that game was famous because it lost ninety five percent of its player base on Steam. I saw some stat about that or something uh, after the first few months. So yeah, I saw the same thing. It's it, it's actually exactly the opposite of what I said. Like these other developers I was talking about, like Brahal and those guys, communicate constantly, whereas these guys had no communication, ignored everything the player base was saying, and they all left. So their all their whole microtransaction model and everything failed because there was no one playing their game, so they didn't generate any money. So it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. And like that game, the combat in that game is phenomenal. Like the whole system is amazing. So it's really surprising. They, they, they could have turned that into a, a dynamite game. Yeah. Oh, everyone was thinking it was going to be like the medieval war Overwatch kind of game, which obviously it didn't even come close. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think anything else you guys want to say or any deals that you saw Erebus or anything? Uh, the Green Man gaming deal is over. I haven't really seen anything. <laughs> Note. No. no. I haven't seen really anything. Anything. Deus Ex I saw for cheaper somewhere because I'm looking to get the. Uh, I, I want to buy the. Actually, if Trailer sees this, I'll, I'll poke him for it. But I'm looking to get the DLC for Mankind Divide and all that stuff set up as well so I can play through the whole thing start to finish. Did you buy. Well, I can, well, I can actually take a look at this on the fly for you. And while you're doing that, did you buy LA Noir after Erebus? Yeah, yeah, nice. for like six bucks or something. So yeah. that's in my backlog to play as well. Ah, you're developing a backlog. If, ah, if, you're wondering, yes. if you're wondering how to deal with that, listen to episode zero of I Never Cast for this with myself and Trailer. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, 
is there anything you guys I, I don't think you guys want to plug anything nothing you guys are up to you well if I end up streaming Deus Ex uh, twitch.tv slash Erebus that is your name 303 I think I don't know if it's I think it's just Erebus anyways twitch.tv slash Erebus um, I'll be streaming Deus Ex if I decide to do it I'll uh, for the yes <laughs> Haven't streamed in two or three years, but you know. Yeah, I haven't streamed since 2015, but uh, I was quite a dynasty. <laughs> I uh, was the number one rated Brawlhalla streamer for a period of two months, and I only streamed for a period of two months, so that should tell you something about my abilities with streaming. Nice. Yeah, my head got this big for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, Trailer, do you have any social media or anything? I don't think you no. do. I don't have any friends. No, oh, that's just depressing. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, well, Trailer is very lonely, so to contact him, try emailing I never cast for this at gmail.com and he will see all your messages, as will I. Or and visit tinder.com slash Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Willie is his alter ego slash real name uh but yeah so anyways that will do it for us like i said you can contact us by email uh i never cast for this at gmail.com we're on twitter i never cast for number four this uh facebook facebook.com slash i never cast for this our main uh, media host for all our audio files is i never cast for this dot libsyn.com but we are available on major podcast platforms such as uh, i don't even think it's itunes anymore i think it's apple music so we're on Apple Music, Google Play, CastBox, and Stitcher. And we're also here on Twitch TV with a few people in chat having a time. So we're on twitch.tv slash I never cast for this as well. Also, if you enjoy the show, please leave a review. You can leave us a review on any podcast platform or on Facebook. We have a few reviews there now. Uh, if you love the show, leave a re- good review for us. If you hated the show, leave a bad review and tell us how we can get better. We would really appreciate that. Other than that, I think that'll do it for us, unless you guys have anything else you want to throw in there before we head off. No, I just noticed we didn't get any callers this week, so remember that you can dial in to 555-SMOOTH. Yeah, we'll have to get that uh, registered ASAP, but uh, <laughs> no. But seriously, if you guys want to contact us, contact us through any of those social media ways. You can ask us questions, submit trivia or something if you want us to ask, or just send us an email telling us we're doing absolutely terrible and we should give this up let us know we want to know any kind of feedback possible but that'll do it for us and thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you all next week bye